everyone, how's it going? Steve here. Welcome to episode 209 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. As I just mentioned, redundantly, I'm your host, Steve Bowling. I'm joined today by Andre Seegers, hey. Tom Arnold, Hello. and one of our other new additions to the Game Explain family, Chris Carpenter. Hello. I'm going to start with you, Chris. How's it going? It's going really well. I'm uh, super happy to be on the podcast. Yeah, it's exciting to have you, man. It's uh, your first time. We've been trying to make our way through a new Game Explain member each and every week, the subject <laughs> yeah. being change. Andre, how's it going? Doing pretty good. It's been, yeah, It's uh, I think it's been just kind of busy in general. I think uh, Chris can probably attest to that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just bit, lots, lots of random news stories, some, you know, like the Fire Emblem stuff, which I'm sure we will be talking about. Uh, yeah, just handling stuff behind the scenes. So yeah, it's been, it's been busy, but it's been good, so. That is awesome. How about you, Tom? How, how are you doing this week? I know we just got through with Game Club. I saw you like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's, what's new? So much has changed since then, Steve. Uh, no. You're a I whole mean, You were person. possessed by Cappy just a few moments ago. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, uh, it was really nice this week not to have a busy day yesterday and be able to get through the Game Club, uh, get through playing Resident Evil 2 a bit earlier than I have in the past. Yeah. So I am a bit more awake for this podcast today. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I managed to get through it. I'm working on a couple of projects, uh, some of which I can, some of which I can't talk about right now. Um, but Jeez. we'll get more into those later. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? The funny thing is, the biggest one that I can talk about is that we're getting a freaking PlayStation Five. We're yeah. gonna review the PS Five. We are also gonna review the Xbox Series X. Those are really cool things. The thing I can't talk about is way less exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Go um. But you'll see. There will be reviews coming on on the channel in the in the coming weeks or so. That you'll you'll know what I was talking about. That said, let's go ahead and jump right into the news because we're doing a quick one today. Um, so we've got a roundup of news stories. I'm going to start with the one that infuriates me personally the most, and that is Michael Pactor. <laughs> indicating that Nintendo should ditch the Switch, as uh, one of us, I imagine Tom, so eloquently put in the thumbnail. Um, no, actually, yeah, Chris. It was me. Yeah. It was there me. we go. Good All right, job, perfect. We're opening, we're opening the episode with uh, with news from, from our latest edition, or, or rather... Actually, you're you're more senior than Tris, so... <laughs> not, not the latest. You're not the new guy anymore. <laughs> but basically, it runs down that Michael Pactor, a veritable font of good ideas says that nintendo shouldn't have made a hybrid console because it's just clearly not working out um and i think we all have some opinions uh michael pactor can can eat one as far as i'm concerned he also called uh satoru wada the late and not so great uh president of nintendo so i've i've all but written him off already for that but this is an astoundingly bad opinion. Um, I'm going to throw it to you, Andre, because like me, you reviewed the Switch right. when it came out. And, and I think you probably are the one that feels uh, the most in line with me in that the, the console is still pretty magical almost four years in. So what, what do you make of this? Should, did Nintendo make a wrong move? I mean, considering it's breaking sales records and is expected to beat the next generation systems for at least this holiday season... I don't see how anyone could argue it's anything but the right decision. They made the right call with the Switch. I mean, it, the, the Switch really is like a culmination of everything Nintendo's been doing over its you know video game history. It combines its the handheld and console line, finally merges that into one. And clearly, that resonated with people. And even for someone like myself, like even for me, who I, I never use a Switch in handheld form. I, I when I play a game, I like to get I like to invest myself into it. Meaning, I'm playing on the TV. I like to play on the couch. You know, in a comfortable position, like just fully take it in. But so, so even so, basically half of Switch's functionality isn't really appealing to me. And yet, even with that, I still appreciate it and still find use in it because I like the fact that even if I may not be using Switch in a handheld form, I can still easily just toss it in my bag, take it to a friend's house, or bring it anywhere. Bring it on a plane, bring it to my parents' house. I can take it anywhere and just set it up, and there we go. You know, and. It's And looking at the next generation systems, you know, which in the PS5's case especially, which I'm sure you'll be seeing soon, Steve, it's massive. And I can't help but look at that as almost <laughs> like a step back, you know? It's like, you know, I really like the Switch for how small and portable and it, even if I'm not using a handheld mode, like, I appreciate how tiny and easy to access or, you know, how accessible it is. So, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get what Michael Pactor's saying here. Like, I, and he, I think he also said... 
he thinks Nintendo should focus on a Switch Lite, which I'm pretty sure isn't selling anywhere near as well as a normal Switch, so I have no idea what he's getting at. I don't understand it. I just, I like, it's to a point where I'm questioning, how are you a video game analyst <laughs> if this is what you pull away from the Switch's success? Yeah, my takeaway from this is just that... It, I mean, he has to just be trying to get attention with this because mm -hmm. somebody that analyzes the gaming industry should know uh, that the Switch Lite is not doing the same numbers that the regular Switch is. And, you know, for me personally, I play in a mix of both. I have kids, you know, so sometimes my TV is not available. And I love the fact that I don't have to give up my game just to, you know, j because someone else needs the TV in my house. Yeah. I love the fact that I can just be like, you know what, screw it. I'll keep playing Luigi's Mansion 3 on my couch. Uh, that is... A, a huge draw for me. Um, but I'm really curious what you think, Chris, because you're a lot younger than I am. Um, and so the way you interact with the Switch m might well be different. Uh, how? What do you think of this? Like, is is the Switch Lite the way to go? Or, or, you know, how do you play your Switch? Is it docked or handheld or a mix of both or what? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I play my Switch both ways, mostly, honestly. Uh, I think if I had to choose one, I think I play a bit more handheld. Um, but that said, I'll put it in the dock all the time and just, just to have that more kind of immersive experience, like Andre was saying, but like, uh, yeah, I think there are uh, overall, I think it's pretty bizarre and ridiculous what he said. Um, I think there are parts of it that do make sense. Like it does make sense that, you know, he's talking about how I think there, there is a certain percentage of people who play both ways, but then there are a lot of people who play either one or the other. And that, that does certainly make sense. There's something to that. And I also think like Nintendo has made the switch light. Of course, they have the normal Switch, and I do think down the line they're going to make a docked-only Switch. I think all those options are possible and they, they make sense, but what's really going to draw the line, I think, where it's no longer a Switch is when they, or if, they start making games that are you know exclusive to one of those. You can only play this on the most powerful dock-only Switch. That's when it's going to be bad. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think, like, I just think the statement is, is really bizarre, and, and um, yeah, I, I play it both ways, and I think it would just kind of take everything away if suddenly you had a handheld only switch for sure yeah uh, i i agree with that you know i reviewed the switch light for for the channel and while i really really love the design sensibilities of the light like uh, in my review i think i said something to the effect of i wish nintendo would have made this version of the switch dockable because i mm -hmm. love the portability aspect of the light but i miss being able to play it on the tv because right. Uh, I think there are games like Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild that demand your full attention, you know, just to be played on a big screen, uh, because those are the types of experiences you're going to sit down and spend 40, 50 hours with. And while it's fun to play them in handheld mode sometimes, I think for me, the vast uh, majority of the time I spend with those, I'd prefer to be docked, because those are the big AAA titles. Um, but Tom... How do you do it in Canada, man? <laughs> is it is it different over there for you? Uh, do you play your Switch differently, or does does your lifestyle dictate portable play more than? I mean, you're running all the time, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> running. Uh, the only console you play while on the go while running. He's, he's yeah. just running down the road, you know, <laughs> staying fit while playing Ring Fit. I do love uh, being able to take it along, like uh, vacations and stuff. Honestly, with Wii U, I was kind of disappointed because to the bedroom it was like just slightly too much range to just bring it and play um like yep. i like playing maybe a game at the end of the day uh that's one of the reasons why i did so well in mario kart and 3ds is i could always get through a grand prix or two every evening and uh but not the same with the current with mario kart and the wii u era um so for me it's a mixture of both uh on the michael pactor note i would say that Nintendo learned its lessons from the Wii U about showing how it functions and making it very clear. Um, so there's no need to focus on a handheld only model. They made it very apparent to everyone how it works and they can choose what they want. I mean, isn't choice good? Yeah. You know, we just passed, excuse me, we just passed the fourth anniversary of the Switch reveal. And that was one of the most effective marketing videos that I can think of. Like, they showed the guy sitting in his apartment playing Breath of the Wild in the middle of the night, seemingly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, his dog, it, this, this is the one part that bugs me about this video, but his dog asked to be walked. And he, you know, goes over. They show him slide the Joy-Con out of the traditional controller grip and then snap it onto the Switch and just lift it out. And the game pops right on the screen. And to me, that was super effective messaging. It was just like, hey, this thing works on your TV and it's a portable. 
you know, uh, where with the Wii U, they kind of had this question of like, is it an upgrade to the Wii? Does Mm -hmm. it, you know, folks like us, we got the idea of the Wii U, but your average consumer was clearly confused. And I think the Switch, uh, that, that confusion doesn't exist. Yeah, no, um, you're totally right. But even even for us with the Wii U, even though we kind of better understood what it was going for, it still was inherently confusing because some of its features only work with some of the games, whereas others don't, like off-screen play on the Wii U or whatever they called it back then, gamepad, whatever it was. Like that only worked if the game supported it because some games required both gamepad or both viewpoints, such as uh, Nintendo Land or Zombie U, and those you can't play on a single screen, to my memory. Um, so, yeah, whereas with a Switch, like, what you see in that initial trailer works for pretty much every game out there. And it was just incredibly simple to show how freeing it was. And I think it's that kind of, like, level of liberation we had with a console that we'd never had before that really spoke to, uh, you know, its demographic. Totally. I I think it also kind of cleaned the slate, too, because with the Wii U, it still works with Wii remotes and, you know, other controllers and different kind of things that are compatible with the Wii. And so there's that question of like, well, can I use the gamepad on my original Wii or that sort of thing? Um, but with the Switch, it was just a clean slate, right? They were ditching the Wii branding entirely because it had been around for so long and it was confusing with the Wii U. And uh, I think that also really helped with it too. Like just in terms of the marketing and the simplicity of it, like it could be, it could have been marketed in a lot more uh, of a complicated way than it was, but mm-hmm. it turned out really well. And I think a lot of that's because it was just this brand new thing and it's um, <laughs> it's stayed very clear over time. Yeah, so, I mean, I, long story short, Pactor, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go, go ahead and, and keep making, you know, hot takes on Twitter. Uh, but moving on, so I wanted to, this is a very Nintendo news heavy week. Um, so I wanted to slip something in that was just a little bit of a change of pace. We got our first look at, at Tom Holland as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie. And it's just a single picture. Um, but I have to say, I was very pleasantly surprised. When I heard that Peter Parker was going to be Nathan Drake, I was like, uh, he's he's a little on kind of the light and not burly side for, <laughs> for me. Um, but seeing him in actual like full Nathan Drake gear... It is a very believable take for me. I actually like it a lot more than I expected, and I'm really excited to see a trailer for this movie now. Um, I'm going to throw it to our youngest resident, since he's he's the most likely to be mistaken for Tom Holland. Uh, Chris, what do, what do you make of this? What do you think of Tom Holland playing Nathan Drake? Oh, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think just the the costume and the look, I think they, they nailed it. You know, I think a lot of people are not as big fans of it because, you know, Tom Holland has established such a presence as Spider-Man, as Peter Parker, you know, with his kind of quippy dialogue and just his kind of younger kind of nature. Um, But I think he could really take this on and and do a great job with it. I'm I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I think think that um, it's always scary when you think about, like, someone being really well-known for one character that they might be typecast forever, Mm -hmm. right? so I think it's good that he's diversifying that a bit. And I think that Nathan Drake kind of, you know, he is a character that kind of cracks wise and, and uh, is, is a bit more lighthearted and jokey. Kind of yeah. fits with somebody that would play Spider-Man. Although he does fall um, and he falls about as much as Spider-Man does too. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So uh, Tom, let me toss it to you. What do you, what do you think of uh, Tom Holland as Nathan Drake? Does it work? As or, a fellow Tom. Yeah, no? it's a fellow Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not as sad as I thought I would be that it's not Nathan <laughs> Fillion 10 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that Nathan yeah. Fillion is in the thumbnail, yeah, by the way. I had to edit Like, this is a quick thumbnail, but I can do one thing at least. <laughs> uh, and I think at one point, wasn't Mark Wahlberg <laughs> they were thinking of him for the he's, movie? He's, he's, he's still in That would have been he's, yeah. Sully, I believe. Oh, okay. He would have been really bad as Nathan. Yeah, <laughs> like if he was Nathan so Drake, that would be a problem. But I, I can live with Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what, what about you, Andre? What do you think of of this first look? It's better than I expected. I, I like, I especially like everything except for the face. <laughs> that's where it kind of moves me. And that's not, <laughs> that's not Tom's are you, fault. But are you saying Tom Holland is a butterface? <laughs> or a butt his face? Well, all I'm saying is like I see the outfit and I look at the face, and the face is not what I expect to see when I think Nathan Drake, right? 
Now, I, I get that they're going for like a younger version of, of Nate, which is totally fine. And maybe he wants to see it in motion and see how it all comes together. It'll be fine. But right now, I'm getting a bit of the uh, the vibe from um, that guy from that Han Solo movie, whatever the heck that was called. Right. Where yeah. wasn't it called Solo? Solo so, yeah, Solo. That made it easy. Oh uh, yeah, the the Solo movie, um, where it just it just never quite meshed with what we'd expected of the character. I think I don't think this will be as big of a deal as that was, um, particularly given the fact this is the first time we've had like a real life version of Nathan Drake. But I do think I do think the age gap is gonna be a little bit tricky to get over. Just because it I, I see the outfit, I'm like, that's Nathan Drake, then I see the face, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> so It was bad enough for Spider Man going from Toby Maguire to Tom Holland. So <laughs> Right. It felt that's like a twenty year age gap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Toby Toby was on the wrong side of that age gap. <laughs> All right, so moving moving on, uh, another Moving really sur- on. Moving <laughs> on. Uh, we have another piece of Nintendo news, and this one came as a huge surprise, I think, to everyone on the channel. Fire Emblem is getting released on the Nintendo Switch. It's a localized NES game, and it is either 6 bucks on the eShop or 50 bucks if you get an admittedly really cool collector's edition. Um, the collector's edition includes, like, an art book, a map, I believe, an acrylic NES cart, which um, cool but off-putting at the same time, and then like an NES, a classic NES-style box. And I shared my thoughts about this with uh, Tris in a discussion video earlier in the week, or just yesterday, actually. It feels like every day <laughs> in 2020 ago. is a week long. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and throw this one to Tom first. Uh, what do you what do you think of this? I mean. There's, there's a lot to unpack here. It's a limited release. It's one of those things that's going away on March 31st for no apparent reason. Um, but I'm curious if you... Uh, are you hyped for this? Does this matter at all to you? Um, it's a nice, pleasant surprise for me. I'm not going to go for that $50 version for sure, but I'm going to download the uh, much more inexpensive one. Uh, it's nice to go back in history and get to experience it. Like, Admittedly, I should probably know Japanese by now, but I don't. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Very, very few words, uh, and mostly spoken, not written. So uh, for people like me who are too dumb to learn Japanese, I guess it, it's very nice. And, uh, you know, with that price difference, too, I'd like to hear what Michael Pachter would have to think about it, but uh, <laughs> I don't think he chimed in. <laughs> I, I don't think I want to know anything about what he thinks. Uh, Chris, like, this is probably squarely aimed at well not necessarily completely but folks your age that weren't around when the nes was around because yeah. every all of your co-hosts co-hosts today are are old men who who all had an nes i don't think chris is even around with how the trailer opened up with the uh, smash brothers melee uh look at <laughs> Barely. so i thought about how to introduce chris today and i was like he's the man from the gamecube era like he was born a year after the gamecube came out which i mean I gotta say, Chris, I I both uh, pity and envy your your age group just because you didn't grow up with like the NES and the SNES and the N sixty four, which to me are like defining parts of my life. You know, the mm-hmm. Mario sixty four, like seeing going from Super Mario World to Mario sixty four, I remember honestly being awestruck, like oh, yeah. completely mind blown that we had three D games, and you just kind of grew up and you're like, yeah, this what Mario Sunshine was the first one, <laughs> and that to me is is almost like it's a really cool perspective to have because you grew up in this era of modern graphics technology. And so I'm curious on your take on this because do you have any interest in like going back and playing like a 30 year old NES game that, that just got translated? Like, does this, does this interest you at all? It does. Honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed by it. Not going to lie because I was, I I've heard about the first fire emblem and like a lot of games of its time, I think it's pretty tough and it doesn't explain a lot. Like there's certain things you have to learn just by exploring the map and trying things out. Um, like the first Zelda is very much that way. And so I'm a little like almost nervous to try it, um, but I'm definitely interested in, like like you said, I mean, it's an era that I am i didn't grow up in, you know, and I've tried my best obviously to educate myself and like go back and play a lot of the big games that, you know, I didn't get to grow up playing, but um, I'm I'm pretty interested to check it out for sure. And that collector's edition, I probably won't get it myself or the uh, anniversary edition, but it looks really cool. It's pretty awesome for sure. I'm I'm curious to hear as as a fellow old what Andre thinks because I, I have some feelings about this that 
um, I haven't uh, necessarily fully expanded on. And I'm curious if Andre will end up meeting me uh, on this, because I think we share a lot of opinions about things, Andre. So what do you think of this uh, release for Fire Emblem? Oh, I, I love everything about it, um, except for the fact that it doesn't personally interest me. <laughs> Put that aside. Uh, no, I think this is awesome. Um, I think I really like this kind of relatively recent trend we've had in Nintendo kind of reaching into its back catalog and giving it to a new audience. We've had now Mother, uh, with its English translated translation released, I think, on Wii U, um, yep. which had which had been done before, or rather, the translation had already been done. It was just never released. So we got that. We now have Star Fox 2, a canceled game that has now officially been re-released, or re- officially re-released, officially released. <laughs> and now we have, again, Fire Emblem, which... I think it's just super neat. Like, I hope this trend continues because I really do enjoy seeing Nintendo uh, provide this access to these early games that we just didn't, you know, that you know, Western audiences never had access to, um, at least in their original form. Like, in Fire Emblem's case, the game was remade on Nintendo DS, and apparently that translation, I think, is the one they're using on this now NES port of it. Yeah. Uh, but even still, I think it's super cool. And being able to see it in its original intended form um, is neat, you know, warts and all so yeah i hope this is just the start or continues to be a trend nintendo explores um they have a lot more they could you know give us access to if they want to yeah so the one thing that bugs me about this is what i alluded to earlier is that i mean what's what's with nintendo delisting games after march 31st like this is the latest in a spate of games they've decided we can't have after do they know something we don't is the world ending (laughs) on april 1st i know right (laughs) It, it, it is so weird, though. Like, just, I mean, the, the Game & Watch is limited. They said right, that'll go yeah. out of production March 31st. Uh, Super Mario Brothers uh, 3D All-Stars, March 31st. Um, Super Mario 35 stops working March right. 31st, and now they add Fire Emblem on top of this. So I, I don't know what Nintendo's plan is here, because um, I can't imagine that having a $6 game up on the eShop on April 1st, 2021 is going to hurt them. I I, I think it's um, getting the best fiscal year possible during COVID. Yeah. I I agree that they're probably trying to drive sales, but again, like delisting, it just seems like such a heavy handed move. But um, the one thing that really bugs me about this limited edition, the collectors, the $50 edition, I want that to be a real NES card. Yes. The fact that it's a one, it's see-through. I don't, no NES carts were see-through. The yeah, set, wait, is that like, like in reference to something, or is it just a, a cool thing? Like the fact that it's. See-through. I think it's just a cool thing, but wow. it's so weird because they take such such pains to otherwise, you know, recreate the look and right. feel of an '80s NES box. Like you have the same dimensions for the box. You have the the sleeve that they used to put them in, and then you have a cart that looks nothing like a real NES cart. <laughs> uh, so I would have preferred if they just gave me, even if it was just a hollow gray you know, fake cart. Um, but obviously, ideally, and I was telling this to Tris, I would pay out the nose if it was a real functioning NES cart. Give yeah. me that, and I'd buy it for 100 bucks, even if I don't like Fire Emblem. Um, that'd be so that, that'd yeah. be neat. Yeah, I think that'd be super neat, especially right. with the kind of like the resurgence we've had and access to these older... Co- it's almost like a... Not to the same degree, but almost a little bit vinyl-like. You know, we have the mm-hmm. Super... Like the Super... What was it? The Super N? Super NT? Whatever the Super NT... Um, yeah. And then they had the NT Mini, which plays NES games, right, and the Mega it. SG. But yeah, there's a resurgence in new retro consoles exactly. that will allow us to play our old cartridges on modern hardware, which yeah. is just so HDMI. cool. Yeah, and so uh, yeah. I kind of agree with you on one hand, Steve. I think that's awesome. On the other hand, I saw that acrylic cartridge. I'm like, that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be real. NES cartridges are kind of ugly. <laughs> they were never that good looking. <laughs> um, there's like, just these flat shade, like these flat slabs of gray. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they were meant to play well with a VCR in a 1980s Exactly, home. yeah. So I actually think it's, I actually think what they showed off as neat, even if it's totally non-functional, but as one, like, I, I immediately recognized it as an NES cartridge shape, except in this cool yeah. new, like, form. I'm like, oh, that's pretty neat. Like, that's something you could display. Whereas with, like, an NES cartridge of Fire Emblem, I mean, you could display that. No one would really care. Um, it'd be neat if it functioned, as you were saying. But I think in terms of, like, just display value... Uh, this this the acrylic version wins. Um, with that being said, for as cool as I think this whole thing is, and even if this were to appeal to me, I'm just not a Fire Emblem guy. I don't know if I still pick up the collector's edition just because I've entered like a more minimalist phase in my life. <laughs> I don't know if I need more. <laughs> I already have like a box full of amiibo, so as cool as that cartridge is, I don't know if I 
well, I might make an exception for the cartridge <laughs> if you know, the Vorpor Gimel wanted, yeah. I do have to ask you, Andre, mm. do you still have the box of Labo? Uh, the box Did the box for Labo? Like, like like the cardboard when it, when the first time I came to your house, yeah. you had a box full of just Labo crap. Oh like, yeah, all so, the cardboard. No, that's, that that carried on to my newest apartment. Still, that's still in my closet. <laughs> all those Labo contraptions. I actually did. I actually did destroy a couple of them. I got rid of the piano. I'm like I probably won't need that again. I think I got rid of maybe the robot kit too, but I really don't want to put that on again either. Yeah. I kept all the VR stuff, but I just I got a soft spot for that Labo VR. So I, I do still have my Labo VR headset. So I, I never ended up making the blaster though. I still have the parts for it. I just oh, the blaster is a lot of fun. You should have you made. Hold on, the one that really matters. Have you made the bird and wind pedal? Uh, no, I haven't. You need to do those. those, those that one's amazing. <laughs> All right. I might I might go back and revisit Labo VR. It still makes me want to barf, but <laughs> we'll, we'll try it for the sake of science at some point. Mm. All right. So moving on, news stories for the week. Steve's Meat has been the talk of, of the internet for this week, and I, I apologize for contributing to that internet. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but Joey picked up the mantle and informed us, sadly, that in version 901 of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, they finally got rid of it. It only lasted a short time. He was breathless. But he was breathless. There was a very, yeah, he was like out of breath, sweaty, ran up the stairs or something, it, it did a few push-ups before he did the video. I like how I made it feel like this was so imperative. <laughs> he had to make the update. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so great. So the funny thing is there's, there's kind of a companion piece to this that Kotaku posted after our video went live, uh, which was an excerpt from an interview with Phil Spencer the head of Xbox, in which uh, Kotaku's editor-in-chief, Stephen Totillo, showed the Steve pose to uh, Phil Spencer, and he was like, he, he just assumed it was fake. He was like, uh, that's a fan did that, right? And he's like, no, that's Nintendo. They put that in the game. And he's like, yeah, that's going to get patched out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as much as you might want to blame us, or me even, personally, for this getting patched out, it probably was the fact that Phil Spencer saw it and agreed that it looked like what we all said it looked like. <laughs> so it's not the internet's dirty minds. It's probably a very offended executive that caused the change to happen that fast. Um, me, personally... I think that it was obviously blown out of proportion, but God, was it a good joke? Yeah. Like it was, it was probably one of the funniest things I'd posted in a, in a very long time, like right up there with game of the decade level, just BS shenanigans. And I loved it. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Joey was going to do the original update and I jumped in the chat and I was like, Nope, I'm Steve. <laughs> I'm doing the update <laughs> and there's actually uh, in our, yeah, yeah. I pulled rank and there's a, uh, a, a cut of this that I did where I was much more uh, downtrodden and apologetic about the fact that this exists. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll post that on the Patreon for our behind the scenes members. That'd you can fun, hear actually, the, yeah. the never before aired apologetic take of the Steve's meat video. Um, <laughs> you know, what? we'll get that up when we post this podcast for our patrons. And by the way, for those of you that are wondering how you can get access to that post I'm discussing for just $1 a month, you can join us on Patreon to get access to this podcast early for $5 a month. You can join us for game club. You'll get access to our live recordings. And for $10 a month, you'll get access to behind the scenes stuff like that video that I'm talking about that never came to light, as well as access to new intros and assets. We'll share a, a, good amount of behind the scenes content with you. Uh, you can find all that at patreon.com slash game And if you consider supporting us, thank you, man. I, I'd said, pay a dollar a month. If I could do segues like that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was, that was a really good unrehearsed segue people. That's why I make the small bucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Andre, let's go ahead and throw it to you. I'm, I want to know what you made of this whole Steve's meat controversy. I just thought it was funny. Um, like, <laughs> I, 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 like, I feel like it was kind of the kind of levity, the amount of levity we needed uh, in 2020, right? Like, it's, it's just, it was just absurd. Everything about it was absurd. Like, it, it's the kind of thing I can see why some people just didn't notice. But once you have it pointed out to you, you can't unsee it. You can't unsee what Steve's meat ended up looking like, and uh, and the fact that Nintendo acknowledged it by by pulling it. Just even as a gamer. Are, are you saying they pulled Steve's meat? <laughs> 
So uh, I saw some people disappointed with the fact that that they removed it from the game. Like, no, this is even better now. Like, Nintendo is showing they they got it. They understood. Steve is losing first it right now. Out can't see I'm over here choking it. on my laughter. <laughs> But yeah, I, I I just thought this whole thing was was amazing. I don't know how Nintendo didn't see it originally. Um, I guess if you see it, when you see it, it looks worse when you see it out of context because when you see the full animation, I think it's easier to overlook because you see how the meat gets there. There's no way to talk about this without sounding horrible. <laughs> you see how the meat gets into position. But if you just see the picture, there's no question what it looks like. So I'm not surprised Nintendo pulled it. Uh, I'm impressed by how quickly they did that. And uh, yeah, I just think I just think the whole thing was hilarious. I'm just I'm I'm just thanking Nintendo for this. <laughs> we needed it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the laugh we needed at this yep. time in this year. Uh, Chris, you were gone this yes. week that we pulled this this crap. So, yeah, I, I, uh, what I did it feel gone. like for you to come back from from vacation and be like, "Wow, these guys really were doing this while I was gone." <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very very strange. Um, yeah, so I had to go. I had to go for, for the majority of last week, uh, and so that was after I already already worked for one week at Game Explain, so I would sort of gotten a feel for it. And then I come back, and I see this video about Steve's meat in Smash Bros, and I'm just like, what happened while I was gone? <laughs> so I go, everything fell apart. I like went through the whole Discord, I was like, what did I miss? And I saw like everything you guys have been talking about, and it was, it was pretty funny. It was pretty bizarre. I was like, wow, okay. Welcome back. Yep. <laughs> Tom, did you did you think that you would uh, ever be asked to produce so much phallic imagery for, for a video game channel? <laughs> never, never. And definitely there was quite a lot of workshopping going on with the, with the one with the sandbag uh, censored out in front of Steve's meat. And, and then, Andre, you almost had a missed opportunity for the uh, 9.0.1 update thumbnail where you had Steve at the bottom. And then I'm like, hold on. And I added uh, Steve's meat in. So, and then you adjusted it to make it even better. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was close. It's a good thing we got you here to, uh, to back me up <laughs> for, yeah. for whenever I slip up like that. I really like his wide-eyed expression in that thumbnail. Yeah, that's I didn't even notice that until later. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. That's it's very subtle. Cool. But yes, he's like, oh, it's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just think, what have you done to me? Yeah, just the reaction to it, like online, was just kind of incredible. Like it, it blew up. Like that, that update that Joey did, like it's one of the fastest performing updates we've had in some time. Like it reached, like it reached a hundred thousand in within a couple hours, I think, hundred thousand views. Um, so yeah, it just it, it, there was just like this little, uh, just a little bubble of uh, popularity around this random news story involving Steve. And uh, and what's really funny, Tom, get back to your point about the thumbnails, like. Again, when you see, like, I was, like, when I saw the thumbnail again later, I'm like, are we going to get demonetized for it? But it really does look dirty. Yeah. Even though it's just an <laughs> asset from an E-rated, or I guess, is it teen-rated again? E-plus-10, I think? E-10-plus? Uh, rated yeah, game. So. It's, yeah. Especially with the no symbol one over it, that one is the probably the worst. Yeah, I thought we were we were towing the line there yeah. for sure. <laughs> um so yeah, Chris, maybe never leave again because we get up to bad <laughs> true, stuff true. when you're gone. We need we need so, someone to keep us grounded. Exactly. We need the youngest member of the team yeah. to keep <laughs> us grounded. The one, the one who can barely purchase M-rated games. Too. Exactly. <laughs> we're crossing the line. Uh, we're all children here on Game Explain. So moving on, I, I think we spent enough time on that, both on the channel and on the podcast. It's well done. Um, <laughs> We're, we're going to go through two final stories just real quick. Um, the first being L is real in Super Mario Brothers 35. This came out of nowhere. We got Luigi confirmed in Super Mario Brothers 35, and I would have thought somebody, like anybody, would have found this sooner. But uh, when, we, when this first crossed uh, the desk, as it were, I, I had a hard time believing it because, one, Mario is a huge target for hoaxes, and two, mm-hmm. the fact that all you needed was really what to be rank 100 and have cleared every level. To be and fair, then you just hold down L. <laughs> yeah, but that's asking a lot. I think that's asking yeah. a lot of most people. I mean, I've played a lot of Mario 35, I think, and I still don't have every level cleared. But Andre, you've been streaming it a ton. I'm surprised that you didn't find this by accident. Honestly, I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not even at a level 100 yet. I'm I'm well on my way. I think I might be in the 60s or 70s now. I think. Um, but yeah, even then, even having, even being most of the way there level-wise, I still only have, I think, less than half the levels unlocked. I don't even fully know how that works yet. So I think it, it goes to show, even putting hours into this game, 
Like, it's tough to reach the metrics you need. And then at that point, why would you even bother trying to hold L? Like, you, you, if you were going to try that, you would try that earlier. It wouldn't occur to you to sure. try it again after reaching level 100. So I'm impressed someone found it, period. And, uh, yeah, it's neat that's in there because it's, you know, it's Luigi. Who doesn't like Luigi? And the update ended up doing pretty well uh, just because Luigi, Luigi's got a lot of fans. He's got a big fan base. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um what, what do you guys make of this? I'll throw it to you, Tom. Um, did you think this was a hoax when, when we first came across it? Because we were, we were hovering pretty close to, to pulling a retraction on this because it seemed like there was a lot of questions about whether this was legit. Yeah, normally it's a lot more cut and dry if something's in it or not. And like, it's hard to verify. And it's very, it would be very easy kind of to mock up in a screenshot, like extremely. So it's not something... Yeah, it, it didn't seem real at first. It seemed like a fake character in Street Fighter almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like this generation's uh, Shenglong. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about you, Chris? What was your stance on this? Yeah, I, I felt a pretty similar way. I mean, I'm going to be honest. When I first saw the news, I was just really excited about it. And so I kind of made that update right away. Uh, and then I thought about it a little more. I was like, wait a minute. It's possible this is fake. This could be a mod or something. Like, it reminded me... I used to play Super Mario 64 DS all the time, and uh, I'm sorry. there were like fan theories all over the internet, or at least like in well, my own. Well, L is real in that one. About that's true. L is real, but the question was, is W real? Well, Wario. But mm-hmm. the question was Waluigi. Is Waluigi in the game? Um, w L. W L exactly backwards L. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I used to like look up all these theories that said like you know, go run around. The, the L is real sign 64 times and then go jump five times and then get this many coins and it's just all this fake stuff. Um, and that's sort of what this reminded me of. It's like you got to be at, you have to be at level 100 and you have to have cleared all the courses and it was sort of kind of giving me that impression. Oh, yeah. Like someone could have just made this up, you know, because not a lot of people are actually going to reach that point or at least not for a long time, not for a few more weeks or months. Um, you know- but thankfully it ended up being true, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> you, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned those kind of wild Super Mario 64 DS theories, mm-hmm. Chris, because uh, that gives you and I kind of, well, you, me, Andre, Tom, some some interesting connective tissue, if, as it were. Because when we were kids in the N64 days, uh, there were so many theories about how to get Luigi or how to get the Triforce yep. and Zelda. And mm-hmm. I mean, just the early web was just littered with all these, you know, rumors about how you could do that and back then they were so easy to believe because photoshop wasn't nearly as powerful as it is now and it was even less common like and and there were people out there just photoshopping screenshots and doing all kinds of stuff and it looked believable especially to a young person um and there was almost no way to disprove it like you only had message boards and that was basically like youtube didn't exist their video uploads were almost non-existent um, and when you did get video from a game, it was somebody pointing a camera at a screen, which is something we'd all laugh at today. You know? <laughs> so right. uh, that, that's definitely interesting to hear. I want to um, run real quick. I want to take bets on oh, this well. last news story. That's all I want. I don't want reactions. I just want everyone's bet. So we ran a news story on just the PlayStation 5 in general. And since we're going to be reviewing the PlayStation 5, we can actually test this story and see if it's true. Um the, the gist of the news story uh, has to do with trophies, the PS5 having custom fan curves, and the part I'm interested in, will the PT demo work on the PlayStation 5? I happen to have right here, it's off frame, but I have a if PlayStation with PT on it. Yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. If you're, <laughs> if you're listening, I have a PlayStation. Surprise. <laughs> um, so next to me, my PlayStation 4 is here, and I installed PT on it. Um, and PlayStation claims that you can move over games via a USB drive. You can just copy a game over, put it put it in your PS5, and it'll work if it's compatible. But Konami came out to say that PT isn't. But their reasoning was that it's not on the PlayStation Store anymore, and thus you can't get it. But they never mentioned what happens if you have it. So, Tom, being our resident uh, tech guy next to yours truly... <laughs> um, do you think this will work? If I copy my my copy of PT, yeah. will I be able to play it on my PS5 next week? Uh, I believe in your tech know-how, and it sounded like a plausible plan that you had figured out. I think you can pull it off. Well, it's going to be hard for most people. I think you're going to make this like the new uh, transferring a Pokemon from like the very first Game Boy game to present day. <laughs> 
<laughs> Interesting. What's what's your take, Chris? I think it's going to work. I'll, nice. I'll place my what bets. About... <laughs> uh oh. What about you, Andre? You're going to be the voice of dissent. Uh, I wasn't going to, but I might have to be. Just, <laughs> just make it what a what a contrarian! He's like, ah, I believe in you, but I'm going to choose not to. Exactly. So yeah, I'll I'll go. I'll, go uh, I'll say it won't work. Like especially with I will say like with how how much Konami has abandoned this game. Um, I mean, if it does work, I would expect like a SWAT team to invade your house instantly after yeah. and take you Man, out. It only takes that would be an excellent epitaph. <laughs> like, shot for playing PT on the next gen. It, the true, the true scariest experience. Like it only takes yeah. one if statement to say if game trying to be played in PT don't launch. Like sense what? True, true. True. It'll it'll make a good video. We'll have a video yeah. up on the channel whenever we're allowed to on that. Um, that said, we're done with the news. We're going to go ahead and roll into questions, and questions are going to work very differently this week um, because we forgot to put out a question post. So we pulled you guys on Twitter and we got a handful of responses. So uh, normally we'd pick our favorite questions and answer those. Today, I'm going to read all the ones we have um, and we're going to do it just round table style. But in the future, if you do want to be able to ask questions, which we will read here on the podcast again, you can support us at patreon.com slash game for $1 a month. You get access to the podcast early and you get to ask us questions here. Uh, at the $5 tier, you get access to Game Club. And at the $10 tier, you get to go behind the scenes, hear my sad outtakes, and see our assets before we use them in videos. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff. Again, patreon.com slash gameexplained for those. Uh, with the subject of today's podcast being change, we're going to reuse the question we used on the last two episodes because we have yet another new Game Explainer here. So Chris, this question is for you and only you. All right. Uh, it goes, hey, GX, I just have a question. Before you were part of Game Explain, what was your experience with GX, and how do you feel now that you are part of the team? Okay, well, <laughs> I, uh, I've i been watching Game Explain since I was 10 or 11 years old. So that's six or seven years, which is kind of bizarre to think about. Um, <laughs> I've listened to every one of these podcasts. Actually, I remember I, I used to have a pretty bad fear of, of, of flights, of flying. And uh, the weekend we were flying, I was like, we were going on some trip, and I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to make it through this flight. And then that was the weekend that you guys released the first episode. Um, something about, like, a dragon. I don't remember what the title was. But anyways, uh, that kind of saved my life, because I was like, oh, great, I'll listen to this podcast on the flight. Um, so it's pretty cool to think I kind of grew up with Game Explain. And, um, yeah, I was just thinking about it today, actually, just kind of like, wow. I used to kind of almost like fantasize about saying, hey, everyone, Chris here with a quick news update. And now I say that like every day, like five times. And so it's like, You're sick of it already. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But, but yeah, it's, it's pretty surreal, honestly. I'm still, you know, it's like, it's the way it is now, right? It's reality. So like, I'm already kind of used to it. But, that, but at the same time, I still kind of have those moments where I'm just like, dang, this is crazy. Until you wake up yeah. tomorrow and you realize it's all been a dream. It's a yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's one big dream sequence. 2020 was fake. We're right. all living in the windfish's dream. It's like you've been in a coma because of COVID this whole time. <laughs> oh, God. Wow, you took that to a dark place real quick. trying to be tying uh, it into the year. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we're not all in a COVID coma. I like doing the podcast. If I'm dreaming this, don't wake me up. All right. So from Twitter which is unusual. Here come our questions. The first is from Dan Palmer, one of our patrons, DanPal65 on Twitter, if you want to follow them there. Here's a question for you folks. Consoles, handhelds, and controllers have come in a variety of colors in the past. Are there any colors that you will always buy, and do you have any specific examples that you are fond of? Personally, I had a Cosmic Blue original DS that I loved. Thanks for the question, Dan, and I'll go ahead and jump in. Here's, here's the fun part. I don't know the name of the color. Um, because I purchased a Japanese Game Boy Advance when they first came out and it came in milky blue and milky pink and I purchased milky blue which is an objectively disgusting sounding name um, I want like to say Wars we drink. called it atomic blue in America it was one of the launch colors for the American GBA too but I don't know the American name so a, a slightly hazy translucent blue if, if Nintendo released a switch in that color I'd snap it up instantly all right. uh, I'll go ahead and throw it to you, Andre, being the being the other person in the room that was around when the GBA launched and probably reviewed it. 
<laughs> you've been around for a while doing this so yeah uh, uh, yeah i was at uh, i think i was at game boy was i still at game boy dojo at that time no we were at advanced gb tom at yeah. that time so yeah so we were on the game boy advanced website at that point or around then well then uh, you better have reviewed the game boy advance <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think uh it's actually it's actually not a game boy advance color although it's not too far removed from that that's probably my favorite for whatever reason i I, I think it was Atomic Purple is, is my preferred choice. I think the N64 came in it originally. Um, I never had one. Uh, they, they had controllers as well, I think. And uh, But it was really the um, the Game Boy Color that came in, I think, Atomic Purple. I forget they had, yep. it, it was went by the same name. But yeah, it was like this, this slightly translucent this translucent purple that just looked really cool. And for whatever reason, I just that color always appealed to me. Um, so yeah, it, it will probably be that. So Nintendo stepped away from the transparent look, and I would love if they went went back to that for for a little while. I think you can get like Joy-Con mods that have it, but let's get the official version. Nintendo, give us Atomic Purple Joy Cons. <laughs> yeah, Atomic Purple is a really well loved color. I've seen a lot of people asking for Atomic Purple Joy Con. Uh, I had to Google it, but I figured out the color I like in America is called Glacier. So uh, oh, that's uh, Glacier Game Boy yeah. Advance. Yeah, and in, in Japan they called that Milky Blue, which is gross. Um, yeah, that's what Chris, Mark Hamill uh, drank in the second Star Wars. Remake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So, Chris, I'm curious because um, being a being a a younger person, like you kind of missed out on the, on the weird, like nineties wave of like translucent, weird plastics that, that kind of permeated every industry. Like everything was a weird, clear plastic, like Apple made laptops like that. Uh, I remember having a VTech phone. Yeah. So before Apple was making everything out of aluminum and crushed dreams, they were making uh, clear plastic iBooks but uh you come from a different era where all of that was kind of passe by the time you were born so uh what about you what's your like go-to color for for gadgets or handhelds yeah i mean i think i've always sort of like subconsciously gravitated toward blue for whatever reason like the first uh the first handheld i had was a game boy advance sp that like my mom gave me and uh it was this sort of light blue and i guess ever since then that's just kind of nice then what I like. Like when I first got the Switch, I got the, the neon red and blue Joy-Con. And for a while, I wanted to purchase just like the, I don't remember which one was left or right, like on which side, but I wanted to purchase the individual other one that was blue so that both Joy-Cons would be blue. I never did because they were $50. But um, yeah, I think, I guess just blue. I've always liked blue handhelds and consoles. You mean you mean these, right? Those. For those of you that are listening, <laughs> yeah. I just held up my blue Joy-Cons to uh, my camera. Maybe eventually <laughs> we'll do a video version of the podcast. Um, Probably will. How about, how about you, Tom? Um, I loved my uh, translucent green Xbox One that I ended up with, like the very first Xbox. Uh, was, was that the Mountain Dew? I, I, don't know. I think it was Xbox. more for Halo, but it might have been Mountain Dew related. There was definitely no mention of Mountain Dew. Well, I mean, Dew Halo and Mountain Dew are like synonymous. Yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, but my funniest story is maybe N64 controllers used to cost a lot. Um, this is before today's controller prices, but it had jumped up to me $40 a controller. And when you are doing a paper route and <laughs> maybe making $40 a month, that's a lot of money to get four controllers. <laughs> At Future Shop, which is now Best Buy in Canada, they were selling banana yellow N64 controllers for like $5 less. <laughs> So I have two banana yellow N64 controllers. Wow. As I guess they just couldn't sell. And uh, those ones, they burn a hole in my retinas, and I remember them. <laughs> well, and for the record, wow. too, they weren't just banana yellow. If I remember correctly, they actually, unless there was a second version, but the, the, the DK64 model specifically had, like, the banana brown thing, like the end of the banana on the bottom of the controller, so it looked like a banana bunch oh, really? with the three <laughs> handles. <laughs> wow. Yep need one of those i i still have my gold uh n64 controller that i traded some kid in the lunchroom for <laughs> like i gave him two controllers to get this gold controller because i was an idiot um i don't know that's probably right. worth more than two <laughs> yeah <laughs> it you, might be now he was an idiot <laughs> let's see so we have a question from queen uh on twitter queen four in tv says if you could create a halloween game what would it be about and uh, this one, I feel like Nintendo stole my idea in 01 with Luigi's Mansion. But um, I guess if I had to make a Halloween game, it would be a spooky take on a Mario platformer. Oh. Like, I would want something where Mario is is not put in a position of power. I want to see him be cowardly the same way Luigi is. 
Like, I know he's he's kind of framed as brave and all that, but he also hasn't had to deal with the crap Luigi has. I, <laughs> so, so I kinda like this idea. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna if you're if unless you have more to go, I'm gonna No, yeah, go right, go on. I'm gonna build go off on. that. Uh, I want Mario to, to die. I want Mario dead in one of these <laughs> games. And I want you to be playing as like his spirit. We've already got like a little taste of this in Mario Galaxy 2, where you can play as like Ghost Mario, like Boo Mario or whatever. But I want them to go all the way. Right behind Chris. And uh, yeah, I want them to like, I, I need, there needs to be some kind of like, reason for it. Like, I mean, maybe maybe this is, you go into like the spirit realm where you see all the Goombas you murdered in the past. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's... it's- <laughs> Like Dead Rising, but with Mario, and he's yeah. fighting them off with a plunger. Exactly. I love it. I love it. And, uh, uh, Chris, yeah. oh, go ahead. No, I, I, that's that's basically it. So I don't know. They, I'm sure Nintendo can find some some level of interplay between the spirit realm and the real realm. Maybe play as like his brother to help you know, like free him of the spirit realm. You know, you, kind of like a Mario and Luigi type thing, and you're working together to get to bring him back. So nice. That would be really cool. I would I would dig that. If you're listening to Nintendo, let Andre and I make your next Mario game. I'm sure it'll turn out great. Uh, Chris, you've got representation for one of Nintendo's spookiest first-party titles over your shoulder in the in Majora's Mask. So uh, what would you do? What would your Halloween game look like? Shoot, that just made me think of something else. Uh, well, I mean, first off, just an HD glorified remaster of Majora's Mask would be pretty yes. cool. Keep it creepy and and unsettling that would be super awesome i was gonna say though um actually sort of in line with the luigi's mansion idea i want a full spin-off game based on the luigi's ghost mansion mode from nintendo land yes uh, yeah i i have a very strong passion for nintendo land i love that game and that's my favorite part of the game um it's pretty pretty terrifying to play with friends not gonna lie because you don't know where the ghost is yeah and uh it's, it's pretty fun i want a whole kind of game built around that concept that'd be super cool what would be really cool so i love stealth in games especially in multiplayer and that's kind of something that game did a little mm-hmm. bit like you're trying to you know sneak around as a ghost although you can't really get found out unless they you know shine a light on you or lightning lights up i think it'd be cool they took that to another level where like as a ghost like you might like you have to be careful otherwise if you like go past like a boss for instance they'll start spinning around or like you know, shift a little bit so like the environment could give you away so i think they could really lean into that idea yeah. and make it really yeah. fun and even scarier than it is mm-hmm. you know like as a player you could see like did that boss just move oh crap is a ghost here you know so nice. yeah that was a so great cool. game i'm gonna give a quick shout out to a game an indie game called invisigon heroes where it does a lot of these things for your it's a multiplayer sort of shooting game basically where you're both invisible like a couch co-op one but walking through water or going by bushes alerts the other player to where you are. So take those elements and put it into more of a horror type game. Yep. Nice. That would be really cool. Um, So I'm going to, in the interest of time, we're going to read one last question here. Um, This comes from Alex, who is at Nintenesis, like Nintendo Genesis, I guess, (laughs) uh, on Twitter. And their question is, what's a game that you enjoy that is well known for being bad? And for me, it's a game I reviewed on Game Explain. Um, one of my early reviews was for Anthem. And I caught a lot of heat for liking this game. But I stand by the fact that I think it's really fun. Like, does it last a long time? No. <laughs> but when you are playing it, is it a good time? Yeah. The shooting mechanics, flying mechanics, the the kind of power fantasy you have flying around in an, a very Iron Man-like suit... I really liked, but there is no denying that it is, its rep is that it's a bad game and not fun. So that's my answer. I like Anthem. I will not apologize. Uh, how about you, Chris? Do you have any games you like that most people would say are bad? Mario Sunshine, perhaps? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Mario Sunshine for sure, actually. I don't know how 3D All-Stars changes things. like, Because I feel like people have... Oh, it's way worse. It's worse? Okay, I can't really <laughs> I actually ended up. I actually ended up having some fun with it this time, which, right, which shocked yeah. me, yeah. I'd say, yeah, Sunshine sunshine for sure. Um, also, Super Paper Mario. I feel like that's sort of like a mid-ground for a lot of people. Like, some people don't really feel too strongly either way, but there are a lot of people who, who really hate that game. I actually think it's really good. I think it's it's the best, or at least one of the best stories in a Paper Mario game, uh, and the characters are really great, too. All right, how yeah. about you, Tom? What's a, what's a bad game you like? I'm trying to think now. What classifies as a bad game because so many people on twitter like these types of games now like um uh there's that one i forget at the moment like you shoot a whole bunch of giant bugs and stuff um 
Oh, Earth Defense, Earth Defense Force. Force. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a Apparently B... I play more than one bad game. Yeah, it's like a B game, but they do it so well, it's good. Like they just focus on the simple stuff to make it quick and accessible and uh it's like a cheesy popcorn game almost. I'm I'm with you, Tom. I I don't think that's a bad yeah. game, but I do it, it does have the reputation of a bad game. Um how about you, Andre? Superman 64, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, that was so owned. bad it threw him off. <laughs> it did. Now, my friend actually owned that game. I I remember this. I'm like, why did you buy this? It's just horrible. That uh, was the first time Andre felt himself losing respect for someone. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so I guess it, again, it kind of depends on like what you consider a bad game. But I think a lot of people, a lot of people are not fans of Bandit Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, and I love that game. Um, I ended up loving that game. Keeps getting and, better uh, as you go on. Yeah, it does. It, that's exactly it. Yeah, it starts off a little bit slow, but I think once you get into it, like once you understand what's asking of you, that game's amazing, and I think it really kind of gets uh, sold way short. Um, I think that game was actually years ahead of its time. It kind of it was kind of doing like the whole Minecraft thing, just on a vehicle level versus you know a worldwide level, and that was super fun. Um, but if we're looking at more more objectively, if you can even use that word, bad games. Um, I have not touched this game since. I have no idea whether my opinion would still hold up or not. I actually ended up enjoying Conduit on the Wii. I actually thought that was a pretty fun oh, shooter wow. at the time. I thought the uh, the shooting felt good, um, especially with the Wii remote. It's probably the game that handled that the best. And it came at toward the tail end of the Wii's lifespan, which is a bit of a bummer because it really showed the potential of what the Wii remote could do. Um, I guess Metro Prime 3 had done that a few years earlier, but that was limited by what Metroid is, whereas Conduit really leaned to the whole shooter thing. So yeah, Conduit, I would guess, would be my proper answer. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I played a little bit of that game back on the Wii, and I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, it didn't hold my interest for long, but I, I back then I was just literally buying every game I could get my hands on. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved quickly from, from game to game, which doesn't sound all that different from what i do now but uh so that is it we've made we've made it through chris your first episode of the podcast Woo. is done all right so hopefully that is the first of many because exactly. there's so few of us <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> we'll we'll definitely have have you on uh whenever you're whenever you're available of course but thanks for coming on oh um, yeah thanks for having me yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I can't wait to like I think you add such a unique perspective to the team because we are all a bunch of old people. And it's nice to it, it really is like deeply interesting to talk to someone who doesn't have, you know, that history with the NES and N64 who who had to go back and choose to to interact with those as mm-hmm. opposed to someone who that was the only thing available because part of me wonders like if I was your age if I would want to go back and play 8-bit and 16-bit games. And I think it's really cool that that you've taken it on and and decided to research game history that way. You know, what what to us was contemporary is history to you and I think it's really cool that you know, you have that desire to actually go back and, and look at those games that to, to other other folks your age might seem very primitive because they mm. are. Um, so that is that is awesome. We're really glad to have you aboard. And I, I'm a huge fan of all the videos you're doing. And oh, for thanks. those of you that are listening, Chris has just this incredible video setup that I'm super jealous of. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a hardware nerd and this guy's videos look better at like a younger age than I could imagine. <laughs> like he's, he's way leagues ahead of most of us in yeah, terms of like his recording the VHS. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. Like I've got a DVD burner back there um, that I work off of. So yeah, that does it. Episode 209 of the game explain real power. Uh, I've never had to do an edit. That's my first like flubbing of an outro. Oh, well, we're not. We're, no, that's it's actually not, and we're not editing. Yeah. This. Fun <laughs> fact: Steve Uh-oh. recorded, I think, what your entire Untitled Goose Game review in one take, I believe, because you were short on time and you nailed it. Whoa! I believe it's something yeah. Like I even I even pretended to get my review score stolen. Yeah. <laughs> Tom was like, "Quick, right. pretend like it's being stolen by a goose." I was like, "All right." <laughs> um so yeah typically i'm i'm really usually pretty good at not flubbing lines but apparently when i say i'm not going to i definitely do it <laughs> anyway that wraps up episode 209 of the game explain real talk podcast as a reminder if you want to listen to the podcast early join us at patreon.com slash game explain where for just one dollar a month you can get early access to the podcast for five dollars a month you can join us for game club live recordings every week during the series and for ten dollars a month you can get behind the scenes access listen to my messed up lines listen to my unpublished videos and watch new assets like our 
cool intros. We have a cool one up there right now that only behind the scenes members can see. That's for $10 a month. Again, patreon.com slash game And as always, thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Game Explain for more podcast episodes like these, as well as all other things gaming. Next week is going to be a huge episode. We're going to be talking about the next generation of gaming, so make sure to join us. And I will see y'all next time. Bye.